Hey Beaver fam, it's Sarah Hendigas, pitcher for the Oregon State softball team. Thanks for tuning in to the Belligerent Beavs podcast. Go Beavs and chop them. JPP. Please keep that in the intro, JP. Now, Betty, you and I could just talk, and JP can keep whatever whatever amount of this he wants to. <laughs> J, J, JP's taking a PP. What, what did you do this weekend, Terry? I went to the Minnesota State Fair, the great Minnesota get-together. Oh, you uh, did the, do that. The best state fair in the United States of America. I didn't go today. Today I went to the Twins game. Mm. In, in the free food and booze area that I brought you to one time, that, and you weren't able to take advantage of any of it because you were a little hungover. I know that that should make me just so happy that sitting right behind home plate like three rows back having free food free beer it was, but it, 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 it immediately sick when you bring it up it was a tough day it was a tough day we were drinking white claws with wu-tang clan until three in the morning <laughs> and in our thirties. and we started very early we were the first people at that concert and maybe the last yeah. leave and yeah that's true there was not a moment during that like nine hour span where there wasn't a fresh white claw <laughs> Dude, I have to tell you, I was watching, uh, I was really excited for college. I am really excited for college football. So I was watching the Utah State UConn game. And at yeah. the end of the first quarter, they had, uh, was it, I, I think it was Protect Your Neck, uh, as the outro to the commercial right. break. And I was like, oh, as, you, as UConn was winning, despite being like 37 point underdogs, 14 to 0, the first time that they had I know. a double digit lead in any game in like the last six years. Right. I, I thought I was thinking they were going to pull it off. Um, Utah State, those uh, those bastards who who beat us in that bowl game last year were um, re- really have really having a hard time. But I would I would I was still happy for them. Um, former Oregon State running back Calvin Tyler Jr. ran absolutely fucking wild in that game. 161 yards. So shout out Calvin and Utah State did get the win. Uh, but yeah. That was one of many compelling storylines in week zero of college football. <laughs> a number that's not zero, 61. This is the 61th or 61st episode of the Belligerent Beavs. I, I like 61th. Yeah. I like 61th. We, uh, you know, some say that uh, we're reinventing <laughs> the game here or changing the game, reinventing the wheel, whatever. I don't give a shit. 61 episodes. We've done Roger Maris number of home runs in 1961 number of episodes this is that episode week zero college football 2022 in the books scott frost is 0 and one nebraska should have kept mike Riley. hip hip hooray but not for you nebraska welcome to the belligerent bees podcast <laughs> <laughs> scott frost says losing uh losing records in two different countries now that's, that's right. crazy i know he's he's never gonna win a game in ireland in his entire life no, <laughs> that's over. crazy. He had his shot. His seat is the opposite of Frost right now. <laughs> <laughs> and we're out. And we're out with that joke. With that we, there's no topping that. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'll chop him without hope. Bring back Bernice. That that uh, potent dad joke was made by one uh, Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage. <laughs> 
a.k.a. <laughs> Benny Scoops, a.k.a. Benny with the good cough, a.k.a. Benny Bedlam. I remembered that from Man. last Bedlam. Benny Bedlam, because he's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> and I have a feeling you're going to be, you're going to live up to the name Benny Bedlam when we get into our predictions segment mm. later. In the, and Just this, late. the second annual predictions episode. Number two. And I'm in the same location as I was last year when we did this. In the are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. JP yeah. Bertram is in. Wh- where are you? Please, please Arnold, say the. Arnold, California. I smoked pot with Arnie, California. <laughs> <laughs> Been sitting on that one for about 19 hours to be for fam. I'm happy I didn't forget it. It was Arnie, California, Tanner Ridge, and Sammy Ford. They were blazing that shit up. Uh, Arnie, California. What a, a picturesque backdrop. The same backdrop from last year's predictions episode when you uh, came pretty close, I think. I think you had a uh, you had an eight and you had a nine and four. Yeah, record wise, oh, okay. I think I was pretty close. But game matchup wise, I think I missed all of them. So I. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why you're here, listener, for this type of game breaking analysis. Um, for sure, I, I will. You'll leave for predictions today. Though. You'll improve. I, I think. I think you'll improve upon last year's zero percent score. You'll be at least sixty one percent correct uh, in nice. this in this in this year. <laughs> or sixty nine percent. That's how you commit to a bit. Oh, but how, it looks beautiful. What are you up to in Arnold, California? Ooh, you know, you'd think we're at the outdoors. We go to the lake. We go to the pool. We go golfing. I've done all those things, and they're not nearly as fun as one thing that I have spent the majority of my time doing here, and that is playing nba jam tournament edition on the super nintendo over and over nice and over again and terry you might like this i'm like zero and four right now versus the timberwolves in the second game of the you know the tournament edition i can't get what is it garnett and marbury no it this it has to be it's like late before that it's It's like later like rider and rider yeah like it's It's not it's not washburn Marshall, maybe, maybe Danielle Marshall. Yeah, it's uh, maybe it's a rough, maybe t- a little Tony Campbell action. I mean, the fact that Christian Leitner is out there S- beating me four S- times in a row is just future Sacramento Kings coach Tyrone Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> it, it brings back so much nostalgia, and I'm and I've been uh, introducing the mini Bebe Everett to it, and he. Wait, so is it, is there an actual Super Nintendo there, or are you playing it on the Super Nintendo expansion on the Switch? No, there's the there's an actual Super Nintendo here. Oh, Ooh, that's yeah. the best. Yes, yeah. And so I feel like I would just turn into like a eight year old kid when I. That's how I feel on. every morning. I'm like, hey, you want to play NBA Jam or Paperboy Two? And he's just like, as opposed Paperboy, to oh, Paperboy, that was a fun Paperboy. game. Oh man, as opposed to the like what fifty seven year old man you are other days. <laughs> like we're. <laughs> We're, we're eight year olds on this podcast every week, <laughs> but I but I hear you. That, that is that sounds like a, a a great use of your time and one of the you know you're probably in the 99th percentile beautiful places on the planet. JP, glad you've <laughs> gotten excited. outside a little bit, but for sure spend more time playing NBA Jam because you don't have a Super Nintendo at home. I don't. It's, yeah, it's probably not even adaptable with uh, your newfangled television sets <laughs> and other things of that nature. Uh, wonderful weekend. Uh, I'm Terry Horstman. Hi. 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 I've had a good weekend. I was I uh, was at the uh, third and final game of the Twins Giants series today in Minneapolis. Twins sweep the Giants. 
which would uh, bring a lot more ha- happiness to my heart if it didn't seem apparent that we're both going to miss the playoffs. Though, nah, Benny Seattle, no the Mariners, the Mariners took care of. Well, well now we have, I have to cheer against Cleveland, which I've been doing most of my life. But You're welcome. I, I don't want. Yeah, I thank you for winning, but also I want happy and good things for Stephen Kwan. I know. Uh, I so, know. So he, it, had, he had a good I'm series, actually. And the the twins, we fucked up. We do, we honestly don't deserve the Central Division Championship. To be fair, Cleveland doesn't really either. It's kind of both teams are trying their best to let the other team win it, and that's why it's a pennant race. Uh, you know when you have a shot at the division championship, but no shot at the wild card. That maybe your division's just not gonna be <laughs> be that relevant. But anyway, uh, yeah, I went to the Twins game. Went to the Minnesota State Fair. I was telling Benny. Uh, for my money, the best state fair on the planet. Ate lots of foods on sticks. My dad uh, I went twice, actually. Hey, hey, man. The Iowa State Fair is a great state fair. The That's best fair. thing about the Iowa State Fair is it's almost as great as the Minnesota State Fair. <laughs> they, they took our template and just couldn't quite couldn't quite capitalize. There, I, I went on opening day on Thursday. I played hooky from work. Um, went, I met uh, most of my girlfriend's family for the first time last week, which is fun. At the state fair? Uh, well, we had dinner on Wednesday night, but then we went to the state fair together on Thursday, which was opening day. More than 150,000 people through the turnstiles Whoa. on day one. <laughs> it's wild. All to eat cheese curds and debate the difference between corn dogs and pronto pups it's because they make them with different batter you see that's the difference mm. but anyway great weekend you, i watched some college football i watched a lot of soccer um yeah well benny you had it looked like you have a burning question <laughs> have you have you have well have either one of you guys ever been to the oregon state fair i don't no. think so is it in no, there it is it is different no it's right outside of eugene <laughs> it is, is it really? so that's different why i never Midwest. went why is it? In, why is it outside of Eugene? That doesn't I don't, make even a uh, little bit of ne- sense. Ne- uh, Neil Glover, a friend of uh, of, of ours, uh, used to work there, so I I know it's outside of Eugene. It's it's kind of like the Minnesota State Fair, except instead of corn dogs and whatever other food item you mentioned that was like corn dogs, you just have like psychedelics. <laughs> that's basically the that's the huge difference is this is this really a state fair or is this just any weekend in eugene <laughs> Dude, I, I, oregon state fair <laughs> one one i know i know we have to make fun of eugene on this podcast and that's why we do it a lot too we do have a lot of listeners in eugene so i want i also want to let our listeners in eugene know that we love you thank you for being here three my freshman year I visited my dear friend Elliot Nathan, uh, who I love. I love very dearly, with the exception of the fact that he went to the University of Oregon. But and- I visited him for the first time. Uh, I think my first extended time I spent at the University of Oregon was four twenty weekend, my freshman <laughs> year, and holy shit, what an experience! I think that's I, all I can really say. Yeah. I, overall positivity, but I'm like, yeah, uh, I could guarantee the the enthusiasm for the, for drugs is is not the same <laughs> in, in Corvallis. No. Um, but anyway, so I did not do any psychedelics or anything this weekend. Uh, I did watch Nebraska lose, which was funny. That was um, funny. I, th- I the think Northwestern. Right. Though I've it isn't Northwestern, it's like every third year they go like nine and four or something. Uh, There's some dumb they? big tent thing. Like they win nine games by scoring nine points all year. Uh <laughs> some 
Real, real shit from a conference of Ohio State and 13 teams that can't beat Utah. Soon to be Ohio State and 15 teams that can't beat Utah, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> ne- Nebraska would be better with Mike Riley, and that's the point. Um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, watched a lot of soccer this weekend, in addition to uh, American football, um, classic football. And I watched some Premier League. I watched uh, Oregon State men got uh, their season off on a winning start, 2-1 to one with a win over UC Davis. Shout out Oregon State men's soccer. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, August 28th, and their uh, second game is on Monday the 29th. So that result will probably be final by the time this is posted. Uh, but Oregon State women's soccer, now 2-0-2 overall, two wins, two draws. I think Oregon State women's soccer player McKenna Martinez had the sickest goal oh. I have seen in any competition. Oh. It's just absolute wonder strike to open the scoring against Fresno on, it on Saturday. Had the curl. So I misspoke. I you would you would either retweeted it or sent the sent the clip in uh, in a text, and um, and I had said like, oh, the camera angle doesn't do it justice. That had to have had the most crazy curl. But there's a second the yeah. replay it does, and the curl right. is crazy. It's it's nuts. I I just yeah. don't even know how that was physically possible. Right, because it's not even like like the trajectory, the angle, the placement, the- like. The I announcer know. said, "Holy right. moly!" <laughs> 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 like, hey, we we should be allowed to. I, I want us to broadcast games, but on like HBO or something, so we can swear. How fun oh, would yeah. that be? Oh, that but, would be great. And like McKenna was just like casually. There wasn't even like her momentum was taking her away from goal, away from the center of the field. I had two defenders on her, and then just like like is in the corner, the far right corner of the uh, penalty box puts just a, a fleet of foot left footed not even I hesitate to even call it a strike because it didn't look like she was even trying that hard and it just flies off of her foot and curls into the side netting the keeper even played it right and got a good yeah. jump a good dive no fucking chance I watched <laughs> it a hundred times I not even bullshitting yeah, it's it was crazy. And and that is um I mean, look, she was uh prolific last year as a freshman. She's uh clearly going to uh, be putting up the numbers this year, but the fact that she's doing that at at, at her age too, I mean like it, that's that is the type of strike that you see from a veteran, right. a very experienced veteran. And the fact that she's doing that she's what, 19 years old? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy <laughs> to me. That that's absolutely insane, and that bodes I, very well for the team. And, and more to I don't, come, I'm sure, for sure. And I don't want to compare her to any like active stars or whatever because I want her to you know, write her own story and be McKenna Martinez and not be anyone else. But like I yeah. said it in our group chat after watching it 50 times, probably like that. That was some Alex Morgan shit. Yeah, I showed the goal uh, to one of my coworkers at work the next morning, and she watched it. And the first words out of her mouth was like, that's some Alex Morgan shit. <laughs> so, yeah. And then just casually had the assist on the game winning goal for that, too. So excellent start for women's soccer. They drew with Pacific today. Um, great, great, uh, great 
I would, you know, I, they would have wanted two wins, but they played really well. Skylar Herrera got the equalizing goal, and four results so far, no losses yet, and coming back to uh to Paul Lorenz Field. So yeah, to, to escape the Valley of California without a loss in this time of the year, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah it was like a hundred five when they played Fresno <laughs> on on Thursday. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't call the game off. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I didn't do yard work for a period of time today because it was over 80 degrees outside. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah. So how how it's is the, I'm just gonna how is the play. heat affecting the NBA pile jam. of how is the heat <laughs> affecting the pile of human shit outside of your house, Benny? <laughs> I sent you a, a text, a picture text of what I did. That was it's, immediately before we started recording. I haven't had time to look at look this. Look at yet. it. Yeah. It looks nice. Thanks. Well done. That's a lot of weeds you ripped out of there. Yeah, that was hard. Yeah. Oh, that, that does look nice. Thanks. Uh, it was a lot of weeds. <laughs> Not the good kind either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, also on the men's side of things, shout out to uh, um, Dante Williams who uh, got the uh, Oregon State uh, yes. men's soccer scoring season off the right foot. Uh, excellent celebration too! I thought he hurt himself. Very excited. Very, very excited. He didn't hurt himself. Um, <laughs> yeah. But great, great goal by Dante, and then also um, Ellis Spikner. His for the first goal of his Oregon State career uh, provided the winner. Uh, great team goal. Um, I think. Uh, Gael Gilbert had the uh, was credited with the assist, but I counted five fantastic uh, passes in the in the final third of that. So Terry Boss's crew off to a flying start, uh, ranked top five in the country, depending on which rankings you look at. But you know, defending a the best season in Oregon State men's soccer history. So expectations are sky high, and off off to a good start. So what more can you ask for? I tell you what you can ask for. You can ask for new merch from belligerentbeefs.com. Oh. We had new merch last week. Wait, Jay, are we going to have new merch again, JP? Do we have new merch last week, too? Oh, yeah, we did. The, the glassware. Yeah, yeah, we have new merch this week, too. No shit. Yeah. We do. Yeah, some, some new t-shirts. Can you talk about them, please? <laughs> <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where you talk about the new merch we have. Uh, yeah, so we've got the uh, the beef up shirts which uh, are, are pretty sick. They've got that gradient fade from bottom to top to indicate a movement up. And the team, of course, yeah. loves them. We'll be hopefully sending out a few uh, as, as soon as we can. Um, also dropped the uh, that Savage Season uh, oh. mask. Oh. So if you guys see that with the... Uh, I, love, I love the fact that the mask has a chain of the mask. <laughs> that so is great. So meta. It is so meta. And so both it's of them like are now jackass available. when Steve O got a tattoo of Steve O. <laughs> <laughs> but way cooler than that. Can, can just, I can can I read my initial response yes, to that shirt? Sure. Yeah. So, so JP showed us a rendition of this shirt, and we're gonna get an FCC violation. Go, Betty. Yeah, feel free to bleep out what you need. 
I said, this makes me feel like the Beavs are the Oakland Raiders of the Pac-12. And yes, as a Niners fan, I realize I'm supposed to hate the Raiders, but I think it is the right approach for OSU athletics. We are who we are. Fuck everyone else. Fuck them all. Fuck them all. Especially, especially Oregon Ducks football. That's what this shirt <laughs> says to me when I see it. Also, we might kill you literally. Probably not but maybe. So yeah, I love this shirt. <laughs> you have to get it. I'm getting like five of them. They yeah. are, It's an amazing shirt. I think our best merch out there by far. And it's nice. It's got that sick diamond encrusted, you know, late nineties rap album look. And uh, yeah, it's just a vibe, the entire thing. And it should be adopted by the entire football team. Yes, it could be the second album cover of 36 Chambers easily. (laughs) JP, please play five seconds of Clan into Front by Wu-Tang Clan from (laughs) Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. I try to to think of a Wu-Tang song that we haven't played yet. And I think Clan into Front's a good one. Um, Yeah, uh, okay, so... Benny really likes his shirt and may or may not have just threatened to murder anyone listening to this. Probably so, not. Probably emphasis on the probably not. But maybe. But, but maybe. But, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, uh, got shut down. At least we made it. To, we didn't get shut down until the sixty-one episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what does it take to be number one? Um, Excellent, uh, excellent merch. Great job, uh, Merch Lab, aka JP, um, and excellent job on the enthusiasm, Benny. That <laughs> that is it why was, you are here. genuine. <laughs> I was very excited. It it made it. I, I was just laughing at Benny's reaction for like the la- the ensuing three hours. I got no work done <laughs> at the, the office. That day. What else? What else is new? Um, let, let's uh, let's let's get to uh, some some beverages here, uh, JP. I feel like you might have something special out there in the mm. uh, in the great uh, outdoor. Not really outdoors. You're kind of glamping. You're in a nice Man, cabin. That sunset, still, that sunset behind you. That is, sunset uh, is, is pretty, and that forest deserves a, a nice a nice beverage. So I, I hope you're coming correct with this. I am. So this is actually. Um, a well-known, this isn't like a microbrew by any means, uh, but it's one of the first, in the, really the innovators in the space. And because we are in the Sierra foothills of California, this is a Sierra Nevada oh, cold, nice. cold IPA called Cold Torpedo. And, you know, I've talked about cold IPAs on the podcast before, and most of them I don't really like, uh, but this one is quite delicious. So, I still gave it a sub four, but it's a high, it's a high cold IPA for me. It's a 3.9 on untapped out of five, but nice. really like, I just love the fact that uh, it's 7% alcohol. So Ooh. you don't usually get a cold IPA that's that hefty. Usually that kind of drops, it drops the uh, ABV down a bit. So yeah, well done Sierra Nevada. I'm enjoying it out here in the Sierra foothills. Nice. I have a question for you. I thought, <clears throat> that you're going to go with uh, one of the stone IPAs because they were sort of an innovator in that space as well. Is stone around? I have not seen any of their stuff in stone so exists. long. They're big they still in, in San Diego. They've got like, they've got like rolling venues of just like, mm. you know, uh, tap houses and beer halls and breweries. So 
Yeah, they're Got crushing it. it. They're crushing it still in San Diego. I'm not entirely sure what they what their flagship is these days because what they like you can't you don't really want to get like an arrogant bastard or a dead guy. The arrogant bastard. Uh dead guys. Oh, yeah, dead guys. Uh, guys rogue. Guys rogue. Yeah, rogue. 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 The arrogant bastard though was like yeah. the challenge beer of all beers. It was like <laughs> you you had to try it because you were like, Well, what's so hard about this beer? Then you drink half of like that 32 ounce bottle and be like, Oh my god. <laughs> It was such a big bottle. I'm so drunk and full and ill. <laughs> I I think this calls for a collaboration, less of a challenge beer, but still hefty, but drinkable, but with a little bit of bite to it, called belligerent bastard between Ooh. us and Stone. Oh. Stone, right here, I, Stone. I assume right you're here. listening. We're right here. We are literally right here. <laughs> Come at us. Come at us. Shut the fuck down. <laughs> Shut the fuck down. No, Shut we want the fuck. Them. No, no, we, yeah, you Benny. You came to me, Stone, <laughs> and we wanted to work with you. Benny read, like, Oakland Raiders Beaver Football Manifesto, and now he's just aggressive towards all comers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. What the shirt uh, will make you do. Yeah, Benny, I'm going to have you breathe for 30 seconds while I do mine. Because right. um, I, with this being the predictions episode and the final episode that we released before Beaver Football, uh, imagine students are back on campus or close to it, even though classes don't start for another month and a half or whatever, <laughs> if, if they're still starting that, that goddamn late. It is, um, yeah. And uh, they, didn't, they, they were out of this uh, at my liquor store last week, but they, I was happy to see them uh, re, re-up. Really, the only bit of Corvallis I can get here in the Twin Cities is Two Towns Cider House. Um, so I have a uh, a hard apple cider here from Two Towns. It's my favorite of the ciders I make, and I'm just very easy to please when it comes to cider. Everything I've had from Two Towns is amazing. Their prickly pear is fantastic. Um, looking Does it forward, taste like an 11 year old Bud Light. No, it tastes like a fresh cider. Oh, nice. That's supposed right. to taste like pear. <laughs> Go on. Are you are you, you done so. yet? I'm, you... I'm still at 20 <laughs> seconds of breathing. The, 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 the fantastic two towns, Corvallis, Oregon, uh, hard apple cider. Shout out to all you know, microbrews and uh, um, craft food and beverage in Corvallis, Oregon, and the Paris of the Pacific Northwest for a reason. Love you, two towns. I will be there weekend of the Oregon game in the tap room in person. And until then, I'll be having this one. So, salute. Salute. I know we cheers after the three of us do it, but that was my own personal cheers. Anyway, Benny, are you, how violent are you still feeling? I, I'm, I've calmed down. <laughs> um, I'm, I am drinking a little squeezy, juicy pale. Ooh, little squeezy. I used to smoke pot because with I, <laughs> <laughs> Because my prediction is about to be juicy. Uh-oh. And I am very when I was doing yard work and I got kind of sunburnt. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I feel like the three of us are just perpetually varying degrees of sunburnt, though. I know. It's always a little. 
I'm honestly yeah. sad, like midwinter, when I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm not even sunburned. This is embarrassing. Right. I can, like I can't <laughs> even see. I can't even see my. I don't see where my skin ends and the white wall begins. <laughs> <laughs> it means I haven't even been thinking about the sun because I think about the sun and I get a little red. <laughs> That's all it takes. Uh, uh, I feel like that might be a different condition you have there. Oh, but anyway, um, very excited uh, for this episode. Before we even get into our uh, predictions, let's just all raise our glasses or cans and bottles and just no matter what happens, no matter whose predictions are right, we all hope Benny is the one who gets closest because we know what direction he's going. Uh, Although he might throw a few curveballs. Don't do it, Benny. No, not not in that Don't way, but he might. Balls? No, I'd say throw. We, we know what your end win-loss result's going to be, but the path there is going to be exciting. <clears throat> but cheers to Beaver football. Cheers to Jonathan Smith. Cheers to the Beaver fam. Salute to you all. Let's have a great season. Lahaya. Cheers. Chop him. And right now, I am very excited to be introducing our first guest of the official 2022 college football season here on the belligerent beef podcast the newest member of the oregon state athletic department old friend alumni tight and extraordinaire from the best four-year stretch of beaver football it's the new associate athletic director chief diversity officer director of student services and the new administrator of oregon state wrestling he wears more hats than bartholomew cubbins it's Beaver great tight end, member of Team Terry, the winner of the fantasy football draft <laughs> on the Blizzard Beast podcast, Howard Kroom. Howard, welcome to the pod, legend. Hey, what up, guys? It's great to have Dr. Howard Kroom uh, on the on the Belligerent yeah. Thieves podcast. Um, one of the the newest, uh, probably still newest member of the uh, Oregon State uh, Athletic Department in your new role as Associate Athletic Director, uh, Chief Diversity Officer, and Director of Student Services. Um, we've got a lot of uh, questions for you about your own Beaver football career and a little bit about uh, this year's Beaver football team, too. But I think all of us and all of our listeners are uh, curious to hear uh, What's new with you and uh, how the new role has been uh, treating you uh, so far? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on. Definitely happy to be here. You know, I, I wasn't sure if, if I was if I was able to come on this pod. I didn't know if there was some civil war. You know, I got a past history in the Beaver podcast space. Hey, it's all Alex Crawford and Ashton Batuso. They were like, right. nah, these are good folks. You got to take care for of sure. Them. So I'm happy to be here. <laughs> we, we've had Ashton on already. So, yeah. So you, you guys are good with us. That's it's an, it's 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 an alliance. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm all in. I love it. But no, I'm happy to be back. You know, I just got back to Corvallis, been here about a month, maybe a little bit longer. And, um, you know, I'm just I'm glad to be a part of the athletic department. You know, uh, Kim Massey and Scott Barnes, you know, the, the two administrators at the top, you know, they, they've done a great job of um, building structure here and, um, you know, building up the staff, bringing in former beefs. You know, we got Alexis Cerno on staff, who's done a tremendous job in the career development space with our football student athletes. It's a it's a really cutting edge position. You know, he dedicates all his time to just developing these guys and helping them get job placements after college. So I say all that to say it's an exciting time to be a part of the department. I'm happy to be here. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited to see what the future holds and kind of how I can make an impact uh, in Oregon State Athletics again. That's awesome. Uh, Howard, I got a quick question. So, you know, what was it that drew you back? I mean, you were 
you know, kind of home already after, you know, finishing up your time in Corvallis. What was it about the department, about the, you know, all the programs that uh, it was, you know, the, the, the reason, I guess, that you were like, yeah, this is going to be the perfect fit for me. Yeah. Well, one thing I keep hearing folks say is that everybody makes their way back to Corvallis at some point, <laughs> you know, so I'm kind of in that boat, you know, it's hard to stay away from this place forever. So, um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I love Corvallis. So that's one thing that's easy for me. You know, I love the town, love the community. Uh, it's been very influ- influential in my life. Um, some of my strongest relationships ever have come from this place. So just number one, you know, love the community, love the campus. And then two, like I said, you know, I think the, the, um, the administrators, the leadership in the athletic department, I think it's, it's a great time. It's an exciting time. We've been on an upward trajectory for a little while here. You know, I follow, I follow as closely as, as anybody. And, um, you know, we've been going in the right direction. And so then this opportunity comes up, you know, chief diversity officer, the first um, fully carved out chief diversity officer role for the department. It just, it, it lined up perfectly. You know, I've been, I've been doing work um, in diversity, equity, and inclusion for some time now. Uh, my research has a, a DEI center to it, a social justice slant and everything that I do on that front. Um, so it just seemed like the, the, the right opportunity. You know, I was at USC for seven years working in that athletic department, working with the football team on the academic staff, um, working in career development there as well. Got some tremendous experience. And uh, I just think it got me ready for, for this opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to, to be a part of what's going on and to, you know, add some of my own twist and see what kind of programs I can help build up here as well. Very cool. That's great. That's great, Howard. Speaking of sort of the anticipation of this year, I know we are all very excited uh, to see um, how, how the Beavers fare this year. And I know that there are a lot of other people in, uh, in the Beaver fam that are really excited as well. But with you being as close as you are to the program, what are your expectations for, uh, for what we'll see this year on the field? Yeah, you know, it's tough. I don't want to go crazy here, you know, and, and get Beaver Nation's hopes up too much or have people tweeting me crazy stuff if, if we don't go, hey. you know, 12 and 0. But I'm trying to find a guaranteed loss on the schedule and I can't find it. You there know, Howard, Be- Benny has already said he's predicting a 15 and 0 season. We're doing our prediction <laughs> segment after this. So the, the glass can't be more half full than it's already been on this show. So you can't go nuts on this show. Look, I'm going to just expose this right here. I hope Alexis isn't mad at me for saying this, but I was asking Alexis earlier, like, man, like, how do we look? You know, what's the ceiling for this team? He said, if we're going to go to the college football playoffs, if we ever had a chance, it's this year. That's oh, cool. man. I love that. Right there on the all American Beav, uh, all time lean scorer, and also a uh, former belligerent Beavs uh, podcast guest as well. So we're gonna we're gonna have to have like the two of you on at the same time. <laughs> That's right. When, when, when we're six and zero mid season, <laughs> for sure. We got, we got some good opportunities. You know, we got we got some tough games though. You know, this the 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 every game is tough. The top. Top part of the season is not easy. Boise State, Fresno State, um, it's going to be tough. So uh, we'll get to see. We'll really know a lot about this team through four games. We'll, we'll, we'll know a lot. So I'm excited. Right. And then obviously with like your old position, uh, tight end, losing a, a big body in there in uh, Tegan Quatoriano, who's uh, having a pretty good preseason uh, down in Houston right now. Uh, Luke Musgrave coming back, uh, Gary Overman and some other guys. Uh all right. How, how do you think the tight end group is uh, sizing up? Have you been able to visit with those guys much or see them during uh, during camp very you, often? You know what? I haven't spent too much time with them, but I know that we've got a good group. We had a deep group last year. Um, Quatoriano mm-hmm. and Musgrave were both excellent. Glad that we have at least one of them back. And 
Um, you know, I, I don't know a ton about him, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm an expert. But if I'm being honest, I trust everything that Jonathan Smith does. So, right. you know, whoever he has uh, stepping up, taking some reps, I know that they're going to be ready. I know they're going to be prepared. They're going to know their assignment. And honestly, I mean, we're in a time in Oregon State football where we're getting good recruits. We're developing guys mm-hmm. and, and we're competitive every week. So I expect everybody to be, you know, really good, you know, two and three guys deep. Howard, I uh, I got a question about the uh, fantasy draft that we held last week. I'm sure you saw the results across our Twitter account. Uh, yeah. How does it feel to uh, have made you know one of our three fantasy teams? And what was your initial reaction uh, when, when, when you saw your name on that roster? Oh, I love it. Let's go. I'm all in. You know, wherever yeah. you need me, I can I can contribute. You know, but I mean, in reality, we got some great tight ends in Oregon State history. You know, we, we got a lot of guys, Tim Ewish, Joe Newton, Joe Hallahooney, you know, even some guys, you know, Brady Camp was a great tight end, Kobe Prince. We have some guys, you know, my mm-hmm. guy, John Reese. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of competition in there. You know what I mean? So for my name to be mentioned, I'll take my spot. Right. You know, some folks going to be hating on me, but that's all right. Put me right. in, coach. I'm ready. <laughs> and I was that, 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 that was my roster, too. And that's yeah. our, our listeners voted for my roster as number one, Howard. Did, so yeah. we, won, we, already, uh, we, already, we already got one ship this fall. So we're, we're going to take another one with the oh. on the actual field. <laughs> I, I just need my ring or my T-shirt whenever. That I'll, I'll send out. it. Don't yeah, we'll, we'll get yeah. we'll get that in the mail. We'll get that in the mail for you. Belligerentbeefs.com slash merch. Fantasy championship rings coming soon. JP, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> what about so, Lyle Moivau's question about uh, if you caught the pass and that uh, the photo that was that was shared with your name you know what i think lyle threw me that pass as a matter of fact i did catch it i believe i did catch it i think that was a touchdown at washington state uh lyle threw it to me as hard as he could from five miles away so was, i mean from five yards away so it's coming kind of hot but uh shout out to my guy lyle hell yeah awesome very cool so so going back to to when you were on the uh on the team who would you say is one player that doesn't get enough love from either Beaver Nation or outside of Beaver Nation, but one player who who you just think doesn't get enough love from uh, from one of those teams? Man, that's a great, great question. There's so many guys, you know. Um, I don't know if this is a good person because he was a star, but like one of the best players I've ever played with, I think basketball, football, high school, college is Andy Levitri. You know, Andy Levitri, <laughs> nice. was, he yeah. was incredible. You know, right. just one of the best football players, one of the best athletes I've ever been on the team with. At what he does in his position, I mean, he's like as good as you can get for a college offensive lineman. Athletic, you know, technically sound, violent with his hands, just, just a, a, a smart guy. He was really, really good. Um, so he's the first name that comes to mind yeah. for sure. And played in the league for a while. Like he for had a, a not time. short NFL career. So yeah, we'll have to right. do a, we kind of overlooked the offensive lineman given that it was a fantasy draft last weekend, but we should, yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll have to have an offensive line special and maybe Andy can come on. <laughs> on yeah, for we, that. We, we, yeah. We've had some great guys, you know, another guy that comes to, uh, comes to my mind, actually he, he passed away. Sad story, but uh, Ruben action Jackson, I don't know if you oh, guys yeah. remember uh, Ruben Jackson man, for sure. Ruben was, he was, Excellent. You know, he had some off the field stuff, so he struggled to, you know, struggled to get reps and stuff like that. But in the open field, he was as good as they get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And he was, he was a great dude off the field, too. Every he time was. I, I yeah. cross paths with, with Ruben, he was always smiling, man. He was a good guy. Absolutely. Right. Great energy. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Jay, weren't you and Ruben like uh, in the same floor in the dorms or something like that? No, no, no. I didn't live in the dorms, but like I just saw him all over the place all the time. He was somehow right. like everywhere. It felt like if it was 
if it was after dark or like Ruben Jackson was there. <laughs> like, it didn't matter what house party you were at. That sounds like Ruben. Sound <laughs> like- <laughs> um, also, just um, Howard, we have a, you know, um, 2000, your freshman season was 2006. Uh, that was my freshman year as well. And then we were all there for the next four years. And then another year or two after that, we don't need to get into how many victory laps the members of this podcast took. But I know that <laughs> you, you mentioned on the About Damn Time podcast, um, that's the best four-year stretch in Beaver football history yeah. and, and still is. So lots of lots of wins, lots of, you know, marquee moments uh, that – uh, people, you know, revisit the multiple USC games, Civil War victories, um, all, all of that stuff. Uh, what's one that you would like keep? So what's one that sticks out in your mind as you think back on on those teams and all those wins? Because there, there were a lot of them. Yeah, uh, the first one that comes to my mind is uh, at the University of Arizona. And I think that was probably 2008, maybe. I think it was 2008 we were at u of a and it was maybe it was 2007 2008 i know sean canfield was the quarterback that game and uh, we had some injuries like quiz i think was hurt yeah so that would have been 2008 i think quiz was hurt and anyways it was just a game that we had to win you know we we, we probably lost a couple of games early in the season just like we did the, the 2006 2007 and it was one of those situations where every week coaches are like hey if we keep winning if we win every week we still control our own destiny we can still play for the pac-12 or pac-10 or whatever and uh, at the University of Arizona, that was one where we were down. Um, like I said, a bunch of guys were out. Um, I remember Justin Cahoot had missed an extra point late in the game that we needed. And um, and then he ended up coming back and uh, right. kicking the game-winning field goal after we had kind of a crazy, you know, crazy last couple of minutes. So University of Arizona, that was yeah. a big one to keep our dreams alive that year. I remember, I think Sammy had a huge catch right i remember k missing that extra point and just my heart sinking but then him getting that redemption moment like three minutes later or maybe even like less than that it was yeah just, it was that it was, was the dumb time. and dumber totally redeem yourself man <laughs> 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 yeah oh it was crazy um uh how are you had you know 10 wins in that 06 season right and um there's a lot that has to go into play for a team to win 10 games. Like what, what was it from that season, that year, that team, like if you could just put it into like, just kind of a short description, like what about that worked to make it uh, a 10 win season that, that maybe you can also just see uh, or relate that to how you can see this year's team potentially reaching that, that threshold as well. Yeah. I think there's some similarities, you know, on that team, I was a freshman, so I, I don't, you know, I didn't know everything about it, you know, but one thing when we look back, I mean, that team had a ton of talent, you know, I think folks are always kind of looking for a secret sauce, but um, that's one thing, you know, we had a lot of talent. We had Matt Moore at quarterback. He's still in the league. Um, you know, we had, a, we had a lot of NFL guys. Offensive line was great. Um, so I think it was an, it was an excellent team. There was some great leadership at the top. Um, and, you know, I think Coach Riley's an offensive genius. I just think everything clicked, you know, and, and I think uh, something that was consistent about those teams were that, like, those coaches found diamonds in the rough, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was a Juco guy or a transfer like a Matt Moore or, um, you know, guys that were under-recruited like Sammy, um, a guy from the from the East Coast like Ev and Sabby. You know, it was just – it was this mix of talent and, um, and everybody was bought in. You know, it was a very close-knit, tight-knit team. 
Um, everybody was joking around. Offensive, defensive players lived with each other. Um, you know, I think I think that was something. I was talking to Alexis Cerna about this, and he was telling me one thing that he remembers is just that, like, the offense always was uprooting for the defense. Defense always uprooting for the offense. So I think some of that intangible stuff, you know, the trust and the the teamwork was built in on top of the talent and the great coaching, you know, and and, and mm-hmm. everything lined up timing-wise. And, you know, when you look at a game like a USC game, when you beat the number t- three team in the country, you know, you need some 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 special teams plays like Sammy returning a punt. You need some, uh, you know, some some timely turnovers. And a lot of that stuff lined up for us. You know, we were prepared. We created our own luck and we capitalized. Right. And on that USC game, <laughs> I was just I was looking over some of the 06 box scores today and I was looking at that game and looking at some highlights and I saw in the box score you had one kick return for five yards in that game, mm-hmm. and get, getting re- like writing down questions for you. I was like, wait, did it, was Howard the one who recovered the onside kick at the very end while like fans were like kind of on the field or whatever? Um, so I went back and I watched that part, and it was a uh, shout out Brandon Powers who got that recovery and sealed the win. But do you remember that kick return that? Uh, <laughs> Oh, or like or like how it came to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm blown away. I can't believe that was Brandon Powers. Like, dang, that was number 36. I'm like, do we have a 36 on offense? Because I didn't think, uh, oh, Brandon Powers. Okay, I'm Brandon thinking Powell. Brandon Hughes. Brandon Hughes, Brandon yeah, Hughes. yeah, yeah. Brandon Powers, yeah, that does sound right. like Brandon Powers. Great hands guy. Um, But, uh, yeah, I remember that. Absolutely. That was like the highlight of my life at the time. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like 17, hadn't turned 18 yet. And we're playing oh, at I'm a I'm a SC fan growing up. Everybody at right. home is watching. So like, what are the odds that I get in and actually touch the ball? You know, so <laughs> that was a big deal. And I think it was because like, uh, if I remember, it was like Bryant Cornell or somebody that I was replacing. And at this time, you know, it was like an intense game, and, and mm-hmm. these defensive starters or whatever. Sometimes they'll run off like, Chrome, you're out there. I'm not I'm not going on special teams right now. I'm catching my breath. You know, and it was like one of those moments, and uh, I never forget. When you when you're in like the wedge on, on kickoff return, you know, you have an assignment, you know, you have number five. And so you count from the sideline who's number five. You don't know who is it going to be, what the player's name is. And I'm counting from the sideline, praying to God it's not Ray Maluga. And sure enough, <laughs> it's like Ray Maluga, you know, the biggest, baddest dude I ever seen on a football field. And um, and they kick me the ball. And I'm like, I'm not going down. I'm getting me a couple yards. <laughs> and, uh, all I remember is it just felt like five or six grown men hit me from every angle and like my 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 uh my ear pad came loose my helmet was twisted to the side that was kind of like a welcome to the right. pack 12 moment for me for sure well th- th- there's no way we hang on to that win without those five yards on, hey, on man, that every return. bit so counts. Every, every bit counts so yeah yeah you did it hey, uh, uh real real quick howard i want to get back to uh to your new role at oregon state here as the chief diversity officer and director of student services um Maybe just give us like a, 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 a sort of high level understanding of what your goals are for Oregon State and, and where you see yourself fitting into the program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wear a couple different hats here. You know, as chief diversity officer, I think in general, my, my main goal is to help create and foster an inclusive environment for everybody involved in Oregon State athletics. That's coaches, staff, students, fans at games, supporters, you know, help foster an inclusive environment where everybody feels like they can be themselves, you know, their true authentic self. And that OSU is a place where, um, where they're welcomed, they're valued, you know, um, that, that that's number one. And, and that comes in, in a series of ways, in a variety of ways. That's uh, training, education, and programming for coaches, for staff, for student athletes, 
you know, that also includes, um, you know, hiring. What are we doing in terms of inclusive hiring practices and, and, uh, and recruiting of staff and, and what we're doing to retain staff, you know, particularly um, diverse staff. And uh, but everybody, you know, ensuring that all staff are having um, or, you know, are feeling valued and a sense of belonging at work. And and also it's the messaging piece, too. You know, how are we celebrating diverse holidays and highlighting our, our, our students and staff with diverse backgrounds and things like that? So that's kind of, you know, what the role is. And it's 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 these intentional efforts aimed at creating an inclusive environment where folks feel a sense of belonging, you know, where they're actually they can be themselves and feel genuinely a part of the, the group and like OSU is a home for them. Um, so that's kind of the, the chief diversity officer side. And then the director of student services um, oversee a number of areas related to the holistic development of student athletes, particularly student athlete development, which is our personal, professional and leadership development. So that's a series of um, training in different areas related to career development. We'll do personal development stuff like financial literacy. We'll do um, advocacy, um, um, violence prevention, um, violence advocacy, stuff like that. Um, and also uh, international services. So I'll oversee kind of our efforts um, and our support services towards international student athletes, as well as liaison to academics for student athletes and work closely with uh, the director over there, Cynthia, who's been doing an excellent job in her short time at OSU. So um, so it's kind of a lot, you know, it's uh, but it's great because I get to touch a number of different areas that impact student athlete experience. You know, and that's what we're all that's what we're here for. You know, we want to increase we want to increase um, positive um, feelings and happenings for student athletes in every area, academically, socially, personally, on the field, on the court. Um, so I'm excited that I get to, like I said, touch a number of those areas. And I also um, oversee the men's wrestling program. So I'm the sport administrator for that okay, program. Nice. So I'll work closely with Chris Pendleton, uh, who's nice. the coach there. He's excellent, been doing mm -hmm. an amazing job in his time. So I'm excited about that. Bam. You, <laughs> that is you a lot of full plate for sure. Right. But Absolutely. Well, I, I just, yeah, I, I know I speak for all of us and saying that we really appreciate what you're doing because that is absolutely making Oregon state a better program and, and certainly a better place. So um, mm -hmm. we really appreciate that. Thank hey. you. Yeah, absolutely. And shout hey. out, like I said earlier, shout out to the administration here and everybody involved in just creating this position and carving out, you know, this role so that um, so that we can get to where we want to be. So, you know, appreciate everybody involved. Howard, I got a question though about wrestling. So you uh, did an interview, I think, with the Gazette Times like 15 years ago, talking that you're a big wrestling fan at WWE. That yeah. you, you had two <laughs> at the time you had two life goals do you remember what they were yeah it was uh some uh going to wrestlemania <laughs> which is in which is in los angeles in 2023 um so 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 that's still a lot <laughs> all right and, uh, i don't remember what the other one was being in yeah. wrestlemania <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's getting your master's degree which you've done that oh, more, okay. before, so uh, nice. Yeah, I, you just got to check that one more box. But Absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to in 2023. Uh, we'll have to check back. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. And maybe you'll maybe you'll land that dinner with uh, the Undertaker as well there. One, one of Man, the two wow. people you'd have dinner with. I remember that. I do remember that answer. I'm still looking for that situation. To nice. Nice. Well, you'll never guess who we have join us on the pod. <laughs> now, welcome the Undertaker. Now <laughs> about the loser. That would be, real quick that would be wild. That'd be the greatest moment in podcasting history. Yeah. Um, well, and Howard, just uh, I want to. Um, we'll we'll have a couple more fun uh, questions, uh, but I want to uh, have you sort of expand on uh, your important role um, a little, just a little bit more. You 
mentioned this being a, a new position that Oregon State has created. Um, and obviously, like the big picture goals uh, and initiative is there. What have been sort of like the main uh, things you've been tackling so far on campus, like day to day, sort of like the small things that happen that are just natural in like a brand new position uh, just getting started? Yeah, well, I think first is a lot of information gathering. You know, uh, I've been charged with leading and not just me alone. You know, there's a group of folks here that that also will sit on some committees and, and help do a lot of this work. But I've been charged with leading the department's diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging efforts. Like I said, that includes um, programming, training, education. And so before we can really craft what that looks like in terms of a DEI strategic plan and kind of what that slate of programming and education looks like, it's important to know where are we, you know, what are our assets, what are our liabilities, um, what do we need, you know. Um, so first part of it is gathering information, um, kind of a, a climate assessment, a needs assessment, you know, because I, I, I may sit and talk with student athletes, sit and talk with coaches and staff and find out, hey, we need to, you know, we need some trainings around implicit bias or we need some uh, anti-racist trainings or maybe we find out that we need a lot of um, allyship training because we're in it you know, an excellent place or a better place than thought or whatever it is, you know. So mm -hmm. I think first what's important is gathering information, listening to folks and finding out where are we so that we can use that data to inform our program. Um, and then I think also you, you talked about day to day. A big part of it is um, is meeting folks, my, uh, my campus partners, you know, our campus colleagues and the different um, stakeholder groups on campus, you know, folks in, in, in different areas of student affairs, the different cultural centers, um, so different support units on campus so that we can really ensure that our student athletes are integrated with campus, campus is integrated with us and that, you know, everything that we do, um, we're amazing community members so that our student athletes are having the best experience possible. You know, it's important for us. Everything we do, we got to work with, with, you know, we might have to work with the registrar, we might have to work with academic advisors, dean of student affairs, whatever it is. So it's important to just have great, strong relationships. And so for me, I've just been trying to connect with these folks. Um, and get to know everybody, let them know, hey, I'm here. This is the work that I'm doing. And uh, how can I be of service to you? Awesome. And also, not as important as that, but still important. We are uh, big. None, none of the, the three of us live in Corvallis. Uh, so it gets brought up like three or four times an episode how much we all miss local boys. Uh, just <laughs> every day. Um, was local boys the first place you went to when you got back to Corvallis? And if not, was there a one food a uh, spot in Corvallis that you had been missing. I know LA is a pretty good food city. Uh, so it's, it's not like yeah. you, yeah, you, you had a, a, a pretty good options the last seven years, but was there any, uh, any restaurant or uh, specialty food in Corvallis that you were just ready to get back to the second you got back into town? Yeah, definitely. American dream. There you American go. Nice. Dream is like nice. on my mind all the time. LA is an amazing <laughs> food city, but American dream is special, you know, the right. garlic butter on the crust, the ranch is the cookies. Is, it is. It's the best ranch in the world. The, the, the ranch, ranch is in the amazing. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not a ranch person normally, but at American dream, I have to get that ranch. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> yeah. on my list. That was my first stop for sure. Downtown or on campus? Campus. Yeah, there you go. Good choice. Nice. For sure. Awesome. Well, you guys got anything else for, for Howard? No, Howard, thanks a lot. I appreciate you joining, yeah. though, man. We'll definitely have, have you on again for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Happy to be here. If, if, uh, if you all need me again, let me know. I'm excited to uh, support everything you all do, so reach out anytime. For sure. Absolutely. Thanks awesome. uh, Thanks so much, Howard, and uh, best of luck with the you know start of uh, September and uh, with all the stuff that they've put on your plate there, but we know you'll do a great <laughs> job. <laughs> all right. Appreciate it, guys. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. Thanks, Howard. That was fun. 
Yeah. Awesome Damn, awesome we're lucky dude. to have him back. <laughs> I know. And now we are overflowing with hope. Again, a word that you must use to spell chop them. Chop them does not exist without hope. The two go hand in hand. And one might say that hope is flowing most freely during the predictions episode, the second annual predictions episode of the Belligerent Beast podcast. We've been teasing this episode all summer as we go back and forth. Who, who's the most optimistic? Who's the most pessimistic? Who's the most realistic? Who's the most enthusiastic? All of all of those words that rhyme and end fantastic. All, all the sticks. Because we're about to move the sticks up and down the field. It's the annual prediction segment of the belligerent beeves podcast we are ready to get into it football season days away home opener against boise state days away this will be the last episode we record before the 2022 oregon state football season starts the sunset behind jp has now gone darker it looks like his head is just floating in a dark, dark, dark pine trees, like he's about <laughs> to tell a ghost story. But there's a happy ending at the end of this ghost story. I have a not, feeling. Not that kind. Or that kind. <laughs> <laughs> every, every, every kind. <laughs> it is the predictions episode. Little bit of review. This mm-hmm. is how we do this. We go game by game through the Oregon State season starting with the opener against boise state and then ending with the bowl game or whatever uh or whatever or whatever postseason arrangements we think oregon state will be qualifying for gentlemen if you have not done so already please pull up a copy of oregon state football's 2022 schedule for Mm -hmm. your reference Okay. What we'll do is I've had it up for the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> Benny has had this up uh since the LA Bowl ended <laughs> against Utah State. Um what we'll do is we'll go I think we'll alternate who gets to to open with their prediction uh per per game. We'll say a couple things about what we're expecting for the game. Obviously, much can change uh, from between then and now, but uh, we'll give as much context as we we can provide and uh, just sort of what we think will happen. And without further ado, I'd like to give the honors to Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage, living up to the name Benny Bedlam. All right, right now, week one. Oregon State football. We all. Oh, I need to get something to write this down. We Good all idea. have. We all currently have Oregon State at zero and zero, the same GPA as Joseph Blutarski <laughs> from Delta Tau Chi and the movie Animal House. Uh, but it's not going to stay that way for very long. Benny, home opener, Boise State, September third, nine thirty p.m. Central Time. 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. I'll try not to say the central times, but it's what I'm used to. On ESPN. Uh, the worldwide is, leader. And we're the worldwide leader in Beaver. In, in the worldwide leader in fucking up college sports. Thank you, ESPN. <laughs> but I will say thank you, ESPN, because we had been asking for this all year last year. Thank God we're not opening up on the Pac-12 network <laughs> where no one can watch. So that's awesome. 
Um, I think so. I, I have Oregon State winning this game 31 to 24. I think this is going to be a close game. Boise State is good. Uh, Boise State is going to be um, looking to prove themselves as they always do uh, uh, playing against a, a power five conference team. Um, we have struggled against Boise State historically, too. We usually fare uh, pretty well against them at home but um so i i, th- I think we win 31 24 uh where we have to grind this out in the fourth quarter all right there you have it 31 24 benny's got the beeves that want to know jp what do you got yeah so you know, boise state's had our number for like two decades um outside of that hawaii bowl victory uh shout out rashad reynolds the Beavs are two and four since 2003 against Boise State. Uh, Boise State fans, at least what I've gathered on chatter across Twitter, they feel like this this game is in the bag. And I want to set the table a bit is that uh, Reese's half done is supposedly sold out, but it's also before school starts. So the Beaver Dam is most likely going to be questionable. Quite light. Mm-hmm. I still would love to chalk it up for a win, but I'm going to say that the Beavs lose this one in a heartbreaker. Wow. At 21. Wow. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think you would do it, Yeah, but you did it. Okay. Oh, and one. And this would mark five consecutive seasons that Jonathan Smith starts. Oh, and one. All right. Well, bye college football playoff. I don't even want to do the rest of the segment anymore. Um, I, thought, I thought this was my job. One week, JP is saying Jacob Melton won't break all of Barry Bonds' records. The next week, we're losing to Boise State 21 to 20. I do agree with what you're saying. Boise State fans <laughs> are very, very optimistic about this. Boise game. State fans are already like planning the parade route through Boise. True, <laughs> which would last for like five minutes. <laughs> and I don't get it. Oregon State is a three-point favorite, which I think is reasonable. Yep. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Am I calling Oregon State a great team? I don't know, but I'm saying they're covering. Oregon State wins 38 to 34. Mm. I think we have an advantage in the trenches. I think we'll be able to run the ball on them. I think it'll help Chance get loose. I think their offense will be able to keep pace a bit. It's going to be wide open, loosey-goosey, typical season opener type game. But I got I got Chance having a good one, and I've got uh, Deshaun Fenwick having having a good one as well. 38-34, Beavs go 1-0. Yeah. This puts us in the Valley, and I'm going to make JP go first. September 10th at... Fresno, that game is at 7.30 p.m. on the, the always lovely CBS Sports Network, uh, <laughs> ch- channel 3,912 and a half on your cable dial. Uh, I believe it's it is on, it's on Fubo, so join me on Fubo, Beaver fam. Uh, the game that I think a lot of us are, are maybe most worried about, hopefully not overlooking, Fresno State, always tough. Playing in the Valley, always tough. JP, 
give it to me. Yeah, you say always tough. The Beavs have never won in Fresno. We are 0-6 since 1986. It's also been like 20 years since we last beat Fresno State, and uh, it was 19 since we last played in Fresno where we lost 14-16 to back in the 2003 season. Uh, however, however, the Beavs play a revenge game this time around, and they scorch the Jeff Tedford-led Bulldogs in 90-plus degree heat at Bulldog Stadium. And and I'm not just predicting that victory. I'll sell my score later. But this is uh, this is the Damian Martinez coming out party. This is his yeah welcome to my world game, and Beavs win 45-38. Wow, 45-38 win in Fresno. Yep. God God damn it for being on the CBS Sports Network. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like uh. Real, real barn burner. I hope for that. I'm not planning for that. I, I, <laughs> I'm planning for more of the same. I have us losing this game, uh, twenty to sixteen. Boo. Uh, to go to to zero and seven, zero and seven in in Fresno. Um, I I feel like we we hang around and keep it close, but just can't uh, can't get off the snide. So I have us at we. I also have us at one and one, just flipped from JPS. Uh, Benny. So I speak, speak comfort to us, friend. Yeah, I I think that this is a coming out party, but not necessarily for Damian Martinez. I think this is the coming out party for the defense. Because if you think about what you need in order to win tough road games in hostile environments, which Fresno absolutely is. I saw uh, Nick Daschle put out an article today uh, saying that this is going to be the most hostile environment that Oregon State plays in, which I think is probably true. You need to have a good defense in order to win those games. I think uh, we get uh, three, potentially four takeaways. I'm going to call it three takeaways um, with a pick six. Our secondary is... I, th- I think the best in the, in the conference. Um, so whether it's um, Alex Austin or uh, why am I blanking on the names of all the other Jaden Grant, Rayshon Ray, Jaden Grant. <laughs> One of them is going to get a pick six. Um, I think, I think we win this game 24 to 10, 24 to 10. Yep. Great. Benny two and O. Oh. Uh, and ca- can you you can't spell uh, three takeaways without Trent Bray? It's true. You I don't know well, about that, few, but I'll take a few other. That's just something we said a lot last season, but it, even though it wasn't accurate, um, anyway. Yeah. Paul, who's fact checking us here? I am. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to. <laughs> uh, then that leads us to September seventeenth against Montana State. At Providence Park, the home of the Portland Timbers and the Portland Thorns, and maybe Portland State Vikings football at, no. at one point. Not anymore. Not anymore. At one point, it was. Anyway, it was. five p.m. Pacific time, Pac-12 Network. But the Bebes will be in the house in Tanner Ridge. I've heard rumblings that the Peyton years will be in attendance as well. Everyone, get your act together and come to this game. It's going to be a blast. And I will start. This is going to be the the comfort 
win that we're hoping for. All respect in the world to Montana State. I know they're a hell of a program, one of the best FCS teams there is. But I think Jonathan Smith just gets it done uh, in emphatic fashion. 31-10 win for the Beavers in Portland. Now we're at 2-1 and one heading into conference play. Uh, Benny, let's go with you. Yeah, I think we win this game as well. Um, Montana State is a really, really solid program, like you yeah. said. Uh, I think that, uh, again, we put the clamps down. I'm going to say that Montana State gets a, a sort of garbage time fourth quarter touchdown, uh, and we win this game 28-7. Uh, to 7. Mm. Nice. For how much respect we're saying that we have, we're not exactly giving Montana State a lot of respect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in the same boat as you guys, though. Terry, we were we, – well, all three of us are pretty much – in seeing eye to eye on, on score. Um, the, what I, at least the narrative that I have for this game, of course, is like, don't overlook the Bobcats for one, obviously they, they were 12 and three last year. They're a good squad. They've historically won lots of national championships and you can't just assume that they're going to be a walk in the park. However, it still ends up looking that way, uh, at least in my predictions, but it's not, because of just like a balanced offensive attack. I, I think that there's going to be something weird about playing at Providence Park for both teams, um, whether it's just like sight lines or the sunset at that 5 p.m. kickoff, whatever is going to just make it a, a very strange environment for both teams. And it's going to make it difficult for the passing game to get going on either side. So I actually see this as a big time running game performance again. But this is now not just Damian Martinez. It is Fenwick and Damian showing why they are easily one of the best one-two punches in the pack, if not the country. Nice. Uh, what, what did you say your final was? Oh, yeah. My final score is 31-13. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Nice. 31-13. So... The dyslexia game. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, that that wraps up uh, this podcast forever. Uh, no, that wraps up uh, the non-conference schedule. Uh, JP and I both have the uh, Beavs at two and one. Uh, Benny, uh, in shocking fashion, has the Beavs at uh, three and zero. Oh. Guys, guess who we're opening conference play with? Who? The soon-to-be Big Ten USC Trojans. Mm. They're coming up, though. We should have asked Howard about this because Howard knows a thing or two about beating the Trojans in Corvallis. The Trojans never won in Corvallis while Howard Kroom was on the team. It's true. And it's true. I might be reworking my prediction here. I might be <laughs> arguing with myself a little bit with this new information. Howard Kroom's on, on the team again, essentially. Yep. Should I do it? <laughs> yeah. I want to do it so bad. I'm going to fucking do it. Do it. What are you waiting for? Do it. September 24th in Corvallis, Oregon at half complete research stadium. Well, Beaver Street is still not completed, but looking mighty fine. Belligerent Beavs alleyway about to become come into fruition. Oregon State football beats USC for a second consecutive year. Sit down, Lincoln Riley. Sit down. Um, 
I had us losing this game, so 30 to 24, Beavs win. <laughs> <laughs> three and one, three and one with a victory over the goddamn Trojans. And then they might they might never come to Corvallis again after that. <laughs> Good riddance, you jackass. I'll, I'm JP, jumping in. Yeah. I'm jumping yeah. in. So I'll piggyback on this. Uh, think about this. It's the first Saturday of the school year. So the first day of school, I think, is September Ooh. 21st. So it's, that, it's midweek that week, right? It's like an easy week. You get your syllabus. It's going to be a beautiful fall Saturday in Corvallis. It's probably going to still hit 70 degrees, maybe oh. high 60s, but it's going to feel like a million degrees after you've been slamming down some Keystone lights on Greek Row, walking over to walking over to Research Stadium through campus, tailgating in the parking lots. It's going to be... And the, the best atmosphere you can imagine to open conference play. So the Beavs are going to come out feeling great, half stadium or not. They're going to contain Jordan Addison. He's going to come in a big shot transfer, and the secondary is just going to shut him down. USC's defense is terrible, so they will be at a complete no-show. And I will predict they will even get a hand on Chance Nolan, who will be playing quarterback. Uh However, the running game will also not get anything really going. It's just going to feel like too imbalanced in that way, and they're probably not going to try to attack the quarterback too much if they can't get past our O-line. So they'll be sitting back a bit waiting for the run game. It's going to be hard to get that going. However, Chance Nolan will silence the haters. He's throwing five touchdowns in a barn burner in Corvallis. It is nightmare fuel part two for Yogi Roth. And the B 42 to 37. Oh, wow. You know what? I, uh, how, I'll, I'll, I'm buying that. I'm buying Chance Nolan's throwing five, five touchdowns in this game. But I'm going to put a caveat to that. Four of them are coming in the second half. I think that this is going to be a game that is going to feel like it's over for Oregon state. I think USC comes out punching and I don't know. I don't, it's going to be interesting because I don't think that the players, if you ask them, especially the players that are new to the program probably care as much as we do what that USC did, what they did. Um, but the fans do, and the fans are going to give it to them. And this is going to be USC's first conference road. This is going to be their first conference game, definitely their first conference road game. So this is going to be the first time that they get it. Um, like they're going to be getting for the next two years. And they're only going to have to get it. (laughs) Yeah. They're only going to have to get it. Yeah. And not on. Oh yeah. And no one's going to be behind them. God damn it. I flip the benches. Or people in the lower section, it's done. The lower section is not done. And you can't have people go through construction site. I will continue to fight this. Anyway, Benny, go ahead. I think think USC holds um, something like a 34 to 14 lead. Chance Nolan leads us back. And we win 42 to 34. Nice. There you go. All right. Guy, where you're taking the same edibles. (laughs) <laughs> taking the same edibles drinking the same kool-aid all right so uh after four weeks uh four games into the season benny's got the beavers uh at four and oh jp and i both have them at three and one uh probably the toughest game of the season coming up after that uh october 1st beavs travel to salt lake city 
uh, for a matchup with the Utes at Rice Eccles Stadium. Lots of people are uh, predicting Utah to the playoff, and for for a good reason. They were a fantastic team last year, and I have a feeling that Kyle Whittingham will make sure his team doesn't forget what happened in Corvallis last year, Oregon State winning. So, uh, JP, let's start with you. Salt Lake City. What's as I'm looking, as I'm working through these predictions, I start to realize like I'm I'm writing kind of fan fiction in a way, but it's also very Whoa. fun because it's going to come true. Uh, and unfortunately, this is going to be not a uh, you know storybook ending or uh, any sort of positive ending with this game because what's going to happen is this: Utah is going to come home fresh off a shocking loss to Arizona State and Tempe. They'll be oh. back looking for a vengeance. Ooh. Now, now here's where my narrative comes into play. Chance Nolan will be unable to make the start in Salt Lake City after recovering all week or attempting to recover all week with a sore throwing shoulder. Because oh of, of the five. Because he was literally on fire. <laughs> so Nolan then is replaced by team captain Tristan Jebia, who just really can't find his rhythm in his first start since November 27th, 2020. That's and a tough game to come into. Exactly. And because of that though, it's just, just a snooze fest. Uh, unless you like lights out defense, Beavs lose 10 to nothing. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's tough. Benny, Benny, let's go to you. <clears throat> yeah. Um, if, this is a big if. If we lose a game this year, it's coming here. But <laughs> you know we're not. Um, I think I think this is the game, not the game, because I think Damian Martinez will be having a lot of nice games up to the <laughs> I think that this is the game, though. There's going to be the six nation, Damian Martinez coming out parties. <laughs> the, I think this is the game where the nation takes note of Damian Martinez because, I, I man, Utah is a tough environment to play in. The altitude's tough. The fans are tough. Um, I mean, they are right on top of you there in uh, in Salt Lake City. So you're going to have to rely on your running game. And I think we have um, – Damien's going to be great, but our offensive line is also going to be really good. And so I think you can lean on them in tough environments like that. I think the defense has – again, has to come to play, similar to the Fresno State game. Um, I have the Beavs winning a nail biter, seventeen to fourteen. Nice. Ooh. I like it. I like it. I hope it happens. I'm not predicting it. What's your prediction? I, I, I wish I could uh, come in with the uh, detailed fan fiction that <laughs> that, 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 that JP has. Uh, um, I, if, if Chance Nolan does need to be. Re- be recovering in the fire victims unit for literally being on fire. <laughs> um, then that, that that's a hell of a story. Um, I, I have him healthy going into this game. I don't think we're going to beat Utah though. I have us losing 28 to 14. I think it's one of those games where we move the ball well in between the twenties, but just aren't sharp enough in the red zone and just can't put it all together. And I think we might catch Utah uh i don't i don't think they lose to arizona state um but if they if they do i'd be terrified of a of a ticked off utah team yeah but i have us losing to kyle whittingham's team uh 28 to 14 um so that wraps up our 
predictions through the the brutal first five games. Things, oh, man. It does and ease, they are. Up it is a, such a brutal first five games. And that brutality is shown in our prediction of what that happens in the form of Ben Weehage's prediction of a 5-0 and start. Yeah. <laughs> JJP and I both have the beeves at optimistic three and twos uh, as well. Um, but yes, very brutal, brutal first five games but there is good news after this you guys october 8th we're playing stanford that's hey, good at news. stanford what, should we what? should we go to this game i am going to this game you are oh, yeah maybe i for should sure? go to this game yeah. i've only been to i've only been to the bay area for your bachelor party do you know that what that's the <laughs> only time i've what? ever been to the bay area what oh my yeah. god yeah no all right, you guys, no. we're the, coming down. The Giants won, right? The Giants won when I was at your bachelor party. I don't remember, man. Well, if the Giants <laughs> didn't win, then the Twins won. So one of your teams won. So if I go to this game with you, our team's going to win. Well, the <laughs> exactly. I, I know, I'm pretty sure the Giants won the game we actually went to. I don't think any of us knows who won the game we went to McCovey Cove for because we literally didn't see an out. We just chilled on kayaks in the cove which was <laughs> a phenomenal day that uh, was fun anyway uh, i'll start with this one we're gonna beat stanford's ass yeah no matter what i david shaw i'm not sure what he's even doing anymore stanford had no identity last year they'll probably be a little bit better uh i have us winning 27 to 7 in palo alto uh what whoever ends up showing up the crowd's gonna be 70 percent beeves so I've got uh, this is I think our first trip in like three or four years to Stanford Stadium, um, but I I have some notes here. My notes say stupid tree, no student support, bunch of nerds pretending to like football, and then I've seen about nerds. five straight losses in Palo Alto, and this is the year that it changes. Nolan returns at near full health, but the Beavs roll. So- the six-game losing streak at Stanford Stadium is snapped, and we win a touchdown shy of the full we hedge 35-14. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we win this game. Uh, I. This could be a trap game, though, because I, if we're 5-0 and after our first five games, <laughs> this means that we've beat USC, who will likely be ranked, this yeah. means that we will beat Utah, who will likely be ranked in the top 10, potentially the top five. We we would have to be ranked top 20, top 15, top 20. Let's say top 20, being conservative, top 20. We won't this could be, be a trap game because Stanford. Yeah, yeah, right. We'll, we'll get like one vote for the top 25 at that point. Um, Stanford, I think, is... Um, by many considered to be the worst in the Pac-12 North. Um, so it's a trap game, but I think the Beavs win 24-14, much closer than what people think. Really? Mm-hmm. I could have sworn the full Wee Hage was coming here. <laughs> no. 
No, I think it's a, a it has trap game written all over it. We we have just beat USC and Utah. We are on top of the world and we're playing who? We're just going to chop down those trees. We'll chop them down. <laughs> and it's it's uh we're going to have a little too much ego going into the game. Well, uh, well at least for sure smoke pot with Stanley Ford down there and uh, That's right. in in in, Palo in Arnie, California might join. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, so a uh, bit of a nail biter. Uh, be, be survive a scare in in Palo Alto, according to Benny. Um, that puts the Beavs at six and zero at the halfway mark for Benny, and four and two for both JP and I. And then they come back, Corvallis, Oregon, Reeser again, October fifteenth. Always a tough game. The Cougs, baby, Wazoo. The the Cougs or the Coog. Sometimes they just drop the plural on it, but anyway. My favorite, my favorite college football fan base, not Oregon State. Going to be a tough game. I think they got worse after last year, but they're a well-coached football team. I think this is a 26-24 to 24 nail-biting win for Oregon State. I think uh, Treshawn Harrison has a huge game-winning touchdown mm. uh, to, to help us out. So... Um, I that's what I got. Twenty six, twenty four, Beavs win against Wazoo in in Corvallis. Uh, that puts them at five and two uh, for for me. Uh, Benny, let's go with you next. Yeah, I, so I think Washington State actually got a lot better. I um, the the quarterback that they had transfer, I believe he's a transfer into the program. Yeah, Cameron Ward. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, from what I've heard, looks really, really good. Yep. Uh, dual threat, Oregon State. I, I know our defense is nothing like what our defense has been like for the last 10 years, <laughs> but dual threat quarterbacks scare the shit out of me for some reason. I don't know why. Um, so, but I think that we do win this game. Uh, I think that our defense comes through. Uh, we win it, let's say, 34 to 21 okay i like it jp yeah. you're looking very pensive no right not now. pensive not pensive i think the coos come to corvallis confident um it, they're looking to pull out their ninth win in the last 10 matchups against the beeves if you're Jesus that's so crazy yeah so they they Jesus. feel like this is fucking this Christ. is one they can win but at this point in the season this is also going to be one that they must win on their schedule, this is one that if they want to go bowling, they have to take this game on the road. So it's not going to be just some easy feat, but they're going to be confident in their abilities to potentially be able to pull that off on the road. What's going to happen, though, is they're going to coog it. Cameron Ward is going to try to just <laughs> throw his arm off to make this his signature game. But the defense is going to know it's coming, and they're just going to sit back. Jaden Grant's going to have a field day. He's going to have two picks, one for a touchdown. Alex yeah. Austin is also going to add a pick to the mix, and we're going to win in a game that's much closer on on paper than it actually was, 24-16. to 16. Okay. I like it. 24-16. to 16. Uh, JP and I are in lockstep right now, uh, both with the Beavs at 5-2 and two through 7. Uh, Benny, no speed bumps yet, 7-0. And, oh, and um, I don't think one's coming as the Beavs stay in Corvallis for another weekend and host the uh, perpetually ranked last <clears throat> Colorado Buffaloes, but who did beat us last year. We can't 
overlook these guys. Benny, let's start with you on this one. Colorado, game number eight in Corvallis. Yeah, so um, by this point, we'll be real tight with Alexis Cerna and Howard Kroom, which means that <laughs> that word will have gotten to the Oregon State football team that I was in attendance for the Colorado-Oregon State game last year. So they are going to win this one for the pod. Uh, they are going to crush the Buffaloes. 42 to 14. Hey, the full there, there is the full we hedge. Love it. Love um, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I love being best friends with uh, Alexis and Howard. Uh, that's, that, that, that sounds this, this fun. Is, and this is, what my, we- this is my third favorite school after Wazoo and mm. Oregon State, of course. Mm. I, I love CU Boulder. <laughs> It's so nice. Oh man. Okay, so I have though. With, with, <laughs> I'm sorry. With, with last year's double overtime loss still fresh in the minds of the players, right? Uh, even though it was forgotten by Benny when he couldn't remember one of our losses, which was the one he attended. <laughs> I was eating lots of edibles at the time. <laughs> the beeves though will look to not only win this game as they rightfully should, but avoid a third straight overtime game against the buffs so the defense will have another strong game uh the the front seven is just gonna infuriate the the buffalo's offensive line which is terrible they're gonna get a lot of pressure on well if he's their quarterback if if he's healthy enough tennessee transferred jt shrout jr um and if they do they're got they're, they've got nothing so uh i actually have i actually have a note that says mark it down the buffaloes don't convert their first first down until four minutes are left in the first half the beeves roll a bad Ooh. colorado team to become bull eligible 38 13 nice i basically have the same shit my score on this one 55 to 10 Ooh. Oh. oh oregon state dropped a few 50 burgers and even a couple of 60 burgers when we were in college remind that was when howard kroom was on the team and howard kroom is back <laughs> and, he's as, as, and he's my tight end the, on the team that won the belligerent beeves fantasy football championship <laughs> as voted on by the beaver fam i got yeah i think 55 to 10 i think uh this is a game chance nolan is just video game numbers and he's out of the game by late third quarter cool. and we just we just fucking fucking roll and it'll be a, a great great afternoon in corvallis Six and two, 55 to 10, even bigger blowout than the full we hage. That's how good I feel wow. about the buffs. Wow. The buffs. Ralphie, Ralphie can run, but he's not he ready to hide. Out today. He, he, <laughs> he can't, can't hide. <laughs> he can't fucking hide. All right. Another Northwest rival. The game time for this one has been set. Yeah. 7.30 p.m. ESPN2 Friday. Yep. November 4th at Husky Stadium in Seattle. A stadium that JP Bertram is probably still banned from. Bees <laughs> at Washington. Friday night game. lights. Yes. Friday. Uh, yeah. yeah I, emphasis on you might go to this game. I think uh, the. <laughs> 
Husky Stadium security might have other ideas. <laughs> uh, why don't we start with that man who definitely didn't get kicked out of Husky Stadium uh, during Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian? We Wee all got apartment. kicked out. I wasn't there. I did not get kicked out. I am welcome in Husky I Stadium don't with open arms. The that alliance, the, night. the Oregon State Washington <laughs> Alliance is strong. I have friends in Seattle. I will go to I will go to Husky Stadium whenever I want. And whenever someone looks at my beaver shit, like ooh, I don't know, I'll be like fuck the ducks, and then we'll be best friends again. Anyway, JP, beeves versus huskies. What do you got? Yeah, Friday Night Lights to the shores of Lake Washington. Uh, I <laughs> okay. Here's what I got. The first half, Washington's defense is just too much for Nolan and crew. Okay, <laughs> it's the the fan fiction stuff coming back out. Uh, right. But Leonard is going to go back at halftime, make some adjustments to try to get the running game going. And what's going to happen is that Trey Lowe is going to show UW why he's always been a running back. And he is going to have a second half to remember in front of his old fans and teammates. Um, however, it won't be enough to complete the comeback. So what's going to happen is we'll be down 27-3 at half. The Bees will pull 27-3 at half. Damn. And a half, Yeah but can't find a last minute stop to force the Huskies to punt. Instead, they will ice it with another first down and a field goal and we'll lose 31 40. Okay. It was a hell of a comeback though. A lot of fun. Hello. Hell of a comeback. I, I, I got like kicked it. out of Huskies uh... stadium again. <laughs> what? Well, what did you fault for putting a just Justin Bieber looking kid in front of you again? <laughs> yeah. Is it, what, what did you get kicked out of Husky stadium for this time? I don't even want to tell anybody. It's too embarrassing. <laughs> you have to be there to see it. <laughs> have, have too embarrassing for this podcast? Have you listened to this podcast? <laughs> don't ask we should, me that question. We should go sailgating for this game. Mm. Um, I, th- I think I was going to predict a loss, but I'm I'm tired of having the same record as JP. So I'm I'm good with this Trey Low redemption arc. I was going to have us lose 27-30, and now I'm just going to have us win 30-27 with a last-second Everett Hayes field goal. Nice. Uh, Everett Hayes hit the game winner as time expired last time. Uh, if you freeze the frame in exactly the right moment, you can see Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage on the terrace True. going, <laughs> It's very exciting, and I feel like um, – yeah, we'll we'll play uh, "Party in the USA" by Mar- Miley Cyrus. JP, please play five seconds of "Party in the USA" by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yes, just like we did last time to to really get the, the party party going. Uh, Beeves went in Seattle. Uh, I went to uh, a few, a few, few, I think three straight games in Seattle. Starting my freshman year, we won the first two. Uh, the one in 2010 was a heartbreaker, but 06 and 08, uh, it's another even year. Uh, I guess it's always an even year when we play in Seattle. But anyway, <laughs> even year, San Francisco Giants energy, even year we're winning in Seattle. Uh, cue the great uh, old um, play-by-play. Beavers have scored in Seattle when we had that great upset in 1985, I believe it was. Beavers win again, 7-2. Benny. Woo. Nice. <laughs> You you can see how well, aroused Benny is like, given <laughs> with all these optimistic predictions. <laughs> like infamous University of Washington alumni Ted Bundy once said. Oh my I'm just god. Kidding. I'm not I'm not gonna actually give a Ted Bundy quote here, but I wanted to bring attention that he is a University of Washington alum. 
uh, which um, just means <laughs> that is on our side, I guess. Uh, so we will win this game. It's um, I was I was thinking about this last time Oregon State played Washington in Seattle. It was the COVID year, so no one was at the stadium. Right? Mm-hmm. We got fucked on that that spot at the end of the game. Yeah. Right. And then had is this. Jonathan Smith's first year they played in Seattle, right? Well, we didn't really or- play anywhere Jonathan Smith's first year. Other teams played and we were loosely affiliated. But <laughs> <laughs> I we played yes, Jonathan Smith's yeah, first okay. year was 2018 we played in Seattle. All right. So I I think that this like Jonathan Smith has a lot to prove I think to uh University of Washington. Uh they let him go. He was he he had someone else's team in 2018 it wasn't really his now he's had a chance to develop his team he's built his team he is about to show seattle what jonathan smith is all about and how much they missed out by letting him go well, oregon state absolutely dominates this game they didn't let him go they could have put him as coach sure they could have they would have been more. a better decision than whoever They've gone Chris through Peterson. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Lake. Than, yeah. Jimmy Lake. It wasn't the yeah. same time. It doesn't matter. Those uh, are the dominoes that fall, Terry. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. yeah. yeah. Listen, there. Places have consequences. When uh, Washington spurned Jonathan Smith by allowing him to take his dream job. <laughs> right. Whatever. He's never, he's never forgotten. Smoke him. Yes. And I'm going to be there too. Uh, Smoking other things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we win this game. I'm going to say 34 to 17. Another very strong performance by the defense and Chance Nolan. Uh, has a very strong game up there. That's a that's a handsome scoreline to get the beeves to nine and zero for Benjamin (laughs) or Sebastian. That's right. All right. Um, I feel like we don't need to spend more than 10 seconds each on this game. Cal at Reeser, <laughs> November 12th. Although yeah. I know Cal beat us last year. I'll start yeah. first. We're, we're not losing to Cal at home. Eight and two. No. Yeah, I've got a uh, complete game from the offense. Balance distribution finally to the receiving core. It's good to see some guys get involved. Damian Martinez has two touchdowns. Bees win with the first the first official full weehage of the season. Ooh, I like 42 it. to 14. Are you also nice. getting kicked out of this game, JP? No, I don't get kicked out of Reeser. There you go. Yeah. You, I ooh, did it once. We, 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 have a, <laughs> we have a fictional street named after us at Reeser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can't kick us out. All right, Benny, 10 seconds on what happens in the 10th game of the year against Cal at uh, Reeser on uh, November 12th. We, we win this game 55 to 14. Hmm. It, it's a blowout from the beginning. Uh, we're snoozing the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. We're hitting snooze. Yeah. I'm never hitting snooze on blowouts. Um, <laughs> one of, one of uh, probably the funniest team in college football, but a team that also could be decent uh, at Arizona state on November 19th uh, against a big, big fan of Oregon state and big fan of the pod Herm Edwards <laughs> <laughs> and his, and his sun devils, JP, what what do you think about this? Uh, Beavs Beavs down in Tempe. It kind of so, feels like this has trap game written all over it. This is a, a warm November evening in Tempe. It's, it's just what the doctor ordered for the Beavs. 
yeah. uh, and what's to be the final tune-up before the Civil War. Now, now remember what I said earlier in the prediction episode is that uh, the Sun Devils upset Utah back in late September, September the 24th to be exact, but they've been on a sure massive did. downward spiral ever since that shocking upset. Uh, and I'm talking real bad. Are spiral. NCAA violations still looming or have they come to light yet in this oh, universe? Oh, they are <laughs> lighting a match below the asses of every single person on the athletic department. So the team is falling apart. We take advantage of it. Femic and Damian combined for four touchdowns. We win 48-6. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is a um, it's a blowout as well. Uh, the uh, just like Arizona State alumni, Kristen Cinema, the or the Arizona State coaching uh, uh, coaches are gonna be filled with misdecisions uh and and not sure what to do um oregon state wins this game oh what a uh, let's do 38 to 17 what not 42 to 14 Uh, 42 to 14 (laughs) 42 to 14 i have a feeling this is going to be a weird game because not enough weird shit has happened yet if, uh, if I don't, we weren't all going to the Civil War, I would say that we should go to this game. That would be a fun game. To we go are to. all going to the Civil War. That's what you said, if we weren't. Yeah. If if we we weren't. Weren't. If, I said do you listen we to were. the pod? Yeah, I'm listening you... right now. <laughs> I misheard. I'm not perfect. I'm sorry. Sloppy, weird, whatever game. Uh, Beavs win 21-10 to go to 9-2. and two. And uh, nine and two Oregon is looming the following week. A week that also includes mm. several big Oregon State basketball games. <laughs> uh, a World Cup starting, the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, us in Portland together, maybe a live show or two. Me working at Amazon during Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. Be a busy how- week. How are you going to swing this, Benny? We don't need to talk about our itinerary on the podcast, but I'm skeptical. I'm going to buy so much shit. I need you to be working hard. I'm going to see you the amount of time you say we're going to see you. Anyway, (laughs) Oregon Oregon, Saturday, November 26th, Reister Stadium, Corvallis, Oregon. Babies have a hotel room in Corvallis. We got the last one. We're ready. The roadway. <laughs> ready to go. Benny, it's to you. Ooh. Take us home. Final regular Ooh, season man. game of the year. Don't blow Of it. the so, year. By this point, Oregon State's in the top five. <clears throat> They're vying <laughs> for a spot. It, people are talking potential final four. They they could they could fine, fine, yeah. The way everyone talks final four in college football. <laughs> And and uh, Oregon's just talking shit the whole week, saying they're going to play spoilers. They're 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 going to ruin our season. They're going to show us who Big Brother is. We come out sixty-two to nothing. We win. Not sixty-nine to nothing. We're just like one touchdown away. I would be so sad if we won sixty-two to nothing. And Jonathan Smith kneeling at the the one yard line. line. I'd be like. 
No, if we win sixty nine to nothing, then that's that's it. That's the pod. We're done. We're done. Our, 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 we'll have so much merch. So much merch. <laughs> oh my god! It's sixty nine to nothing on a four hundred twenty Damian Martinez rushing yards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let let me go next though because like okay. mine is mine is good but not good. But so here's the deal. By this game, the Pac-12 North is actually out of reach for both teams. Washington already beats Wazoo earlier in the day. They win the Apple Cup. They win the Pac-12 North. So this game is purely about what it's always supposed to be about, and that's pride. It's also going to be the chance Nolan Swan song because by this point, he'll have graduated. He'll have enough credits to graduate. He's going to go pursue his dreams in the NFL. This is his last game in front of the home crowd, and he will air it out one last time in front of a half but full and very, very rainy research stadium. So it's going to be a super sloppy game. But the victorious home team pattern will start striking again, just like it did about 25 years ago. The Beavs will sneak one out with a game-winning quarterback sneak by the Jackhammer, Jack Coletto. As time expires, 23-21, Beavs win 9-3. I love it. Jinx. <laughs> yeah, I like what you said there. I'll take that. I'll I'll have what sh- I'll have what he's having. <laughs> Tendency. I honestly think it's our year to beat Oregon uh, again. So I have us. Uh, I ha- I actually do have us making the Pac-12 championship game mm. with a ten and two record. Uh, so. JP, why don't you use the next minute or so just to organize what uh, bowl game you have Oregon State going to. And mm-hmm. Benny, we'll go to you. An undefeated Oregon State football team is, of course, rolling into the Pac-12 championship game at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're probably rolling in as well. That game, this Friday, December 2nd, 5 p.m., doesn't say what channel that's on. That, that's weird. They should know that. By it's now. probably the Pac-12 network. <laughs> <laughs> or a CBS Sports Network or just <laughs> general Fubo uh, live stream. Um, Benny, who are the Beavs playing in the Pac-12 championship game and what happens? I think they're playing UCLA. And uh, and we, we, uh, we just have a chance to show – that the two LA schools are running away from the pack because of yours truly, the Oregon State Beavers. Uh, we win this game. This game is close, as should be expected. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, we win this game 28 to 24. Okay. In any any play-by-play details, what what's the what's the game? Who has like the the signature moment, the game winning touchdown. Yeah. I think who's the player in the game for the beef. So, okay. So I think the, the way that this game will, um, will end up is beefs score late in the fourth to go up 28, 24 UCLA is driving and they're driving quick and they have it in Oregon state territory with under a minute left. And they try to go for it all in one play. Jaden grant intercepts. Kneels it in the end zone. Game over. Game over. And the, and the beeves are on to the final four. Nice. I love it. I have in the Pac-12 championship game a rematch 
with Utah. Yep. Uh, possibly, I don't know, I haven't done every Utah game. Let's say one loss, Utah. Utah, vulnerable. Oregon State plays a good game, but ultimately Utah is just too much. Beats the Beavs 27 to 23. But Utah qualifies for the college football playoff, which means Oregon State is going to a pretty nice bowl game after this Pac-12 championship game disappointment, not too far from Vegas in Pasadena, California. And I will reserve the results of, of that game for a few minutes from now because we need to hear from J.P. Bertram. Nine and three beefs. Yep. Fresh off a win against Oregon. Yep. Rolling into bowl season. Yep. What bowl are they going to and who are they playing? We're headed to Vegas, baby. Viva Las Vegas. Let's oh, uh, nice. play five seconds of Viva Las Vegas by Elvis Presley. Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. There you go. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Beavs are going bowling. We're headed to Vegas. It's going to be the one of the best destination bowl games that the Beavs have seen in the last 20 years, if you're not counting Hawaii. Um, but uh, we will we'll be squaring off against the SEC. We'll, we'll be facing Ole Miss, who at this point will have lost four of their last six conference games. So they're kind of limping to the finish line after a very strong start. Uh, still eight and four overall versus our nine and three, but this is what's going to happen. And it's going to be one of those bowl games that you'll kind of remember, but you'll still forget uh, except for one play. And it's going to be Damian Martinez breaking one for 82 to open the Ooh. game. And the Beavs will never look back. 17, seven yeah. victory in Vegas. Nice. That's a 17-7 victory in the Vegas Bowl over the Ole Miss Ryan Rebs for a final record of 10-3. and Lane Kiffin will have some funny tweets during the game, I bet. <laughs> or after the game, I guess. Right. Well, Maybe during, during the during, game. During, during the game, too. You know, that guy. <laughs> never know with, with Lane. He's a good Twitter follow if you're not following him. Uh, Benny, we've already said the Beavs at 13-0 have qualified for the college football playoff. Yeah, so I Who have... Who do they play in the national semifinal? So the, the Beavs, because of the bias, uh, come in as the number three team in the country, even though they are undefeated in a Power 5 conference. They come in at number three. The number two team is Texas A&M. And you know what? Fuck Texas A&M. I don't like them very much. Uh, <laughs> we actually talked about this on, uh, on our text thread earlier uh, this week. Fuck Texas A&M. Um, can we can I we explain why you you brought it up well so because yes. we talked about we talked about wu-tang earlier. i was in amsterdam in oh, 2016 yeah. in just a little cool funky little beer hall and some asshole wannabe short king douchebag mid-july is wearing the texas a&m sideline polo and sideline track jacket and like stupid nike cross training like a&m branded shit <laughs> why would you be wearing that that much shit i don't know i'm wearing a wu-tang shirt in amsterdam just being cool like <laughs> a normal guy just drinking beer in amsterdam 
Um, and he was, you know, being an asshole, flirting with the bartender, making, taking my time away because I just wanted to order a drink, whatever. As he's leaving, he's walking out the door as I'm ordering my beverage. And he just goes, Wu-Tang Clan's terrible, by the way. And I'm like, sorry, what? And then as he's walking out the door, <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan's terrible. And then he just leaves. And I was, I was too shocked to say anything right away. My friend Andy was with me. He was just like, fuck that guy. And I was like, fuck that guy. So now anytime Texas A&M loses, I'm happy because I know it made that guy's day a little bit worse. You don't act like an <laughs> asshole in Amsterdam. You don't disrespect Wu-Tang Clan in Amsterdam. You don't disrespect Wu-Tang Clan anywhere. Fuck that guy. Fuck Texas A&M. Benny, how much are we beating Texas A&M in the national semifinal <laughs> by? Yeah, we are beating them. Uh... I, I think it's going to be 31 to 24. Good. Fuck them. Fuck them. Jimbo. Fuck you guy in Amsterdam. You <laughs> yeah. dick. Be, just be Jim. Jim Fisher. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, um, the Beavs did not win the uh, Pac-12 championship outright. And Utah made it to the college football playoff in my predictions. But that detours the Beavs to a place that they'd uh, love to be in. That is the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, mm. where they will meet uh, the Michigan Wolverines. And uh, Coach Jim Harbaugh, a person that JP has uh, probably still some affinity for. <laughs> and I love him. Beavs are going to be down 27-10 in the second half. Though I got to say, the adoption thing was weird. That was weird. That was very weird. Yeah. Don't do that. Jim. Well, I think you can always say he's a fucking weirdo, yeah. even though he was a f endearing weirdo as the head coach of your favorite NFL team. 27-10, uh, 42-yard touchdown pass, Chance Nolan to Treshawn Harrison. Mm. I like that. We haven't heard a lot of Treshawn's Four name. Four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Trey Lowe. Pops one. one. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming back for another season. Trello pops one. 62 yard screen pass to the goods. 27 24. Love that. Defense makes a big stop. Nolan guides the team down the field. And 30 then... yard line. 30 yard line. Four seconds left. Everett Hayes trots out. Buries it. Yes. To tie the game. It's 27-27. We're going to overtime. We're going to overtime at the Rose Bowl. The The good fortune continues. Beebs win the toss. Rajon Wright at the circle. Actually, no, sorry. Omar Spates at the circle. Channeling. Well, I think Richard Siegler yelled, we want the fucking ball to an official. Uh, <laughs> Omar Spates is going to say, put us on fucking defense, baby. Put us on fucking defense, baby. That's what Omar Spates is going to say. <laughs> On the first play of the first drive, Rajon Wright, 82-yard pick six, game over. A very rare way for an overtime game to end. You don't see a ton of defensive touchdowns, but it's going to happen. Rajon Wright, he's going to go pro after the game. He might be out of eligibility. <laughs> I'm not sure. Rajon Wright runs all the way to the end zone. Eves victory in the Rose Bowl, and he keeps on running all the way to the NFL. No, yes. Beavs finish 11 and 3, Rose Bowl victory 33 27 against the University of Michigan. We we have it's interesting that you ended your 
game on a defensive touchdown. Let me just set the stage for you. It's we're in SoFi Stadium, <laughs> LA, January 9th. It's, it's it's Oregon State. Your Oregon State Beavers matched up with the Alabama Crimson Tide. The entire country is behind the Beavs. We are America's team. We are the only hope to dethrone Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama takes the ball. Well, actually, let me just even further set the stage. You're going to have so many Oregon State fans get down to L.A. for this game. It's going to be a sea of orange, similar to how Sun Devil Stadium was uh, during the Fiesta Bowl. We're going to outsell Alabama. It's going to be a sea of orange. It will feel like a home game in SoFi Stadium. (laughs) Alabama (laughs) takes the ball first. First, not play of the game, first drive of the game, though, pick six for Alex Austin, and the stage is set. And I think Oregon State, it's all downhill from here. Uh, Damian Martinez does an absolutely fantastic job of getting the first downs when he needs them, and Oregon State just controls the game all the way out. Oregon State wins 24-14. to Alabama never comes within a touchdown of your Oregon State Beavs. I know I said this last year. I just got the years wrong. I got a little excited. I jumped the gun a little bit. (laughs) Our undefeated season was meant to come in 2022, not 2021. Right. So two seasons of predictions episode. uh, Ben Weehage is a combined 30 and 0 with two (laughs) national championships for the uh, Oregon State Beavers. Benny, I, I, I know this isn't necessarily of the segment who wins the heisman this year oh that is a good good question hmm is it bryce young from alabama going back to back i'm gonna say <laughs> chance nolan <laughs> there it is there and it then is. dark horse and, and then we're going to play fenway's uh um it's it is fedway right cut this out fenway <laughs> Sorry, I took an edible right. <laughs> a little bit ago. Okay, so <laughs> good luck with Lee. this episode, JP. We have not made this one easy for you. <laughs> I'm on vacation. Benley is going to retweet his tweet that he made <laughs> a year ago uh, that says that Chance Nolan is the dark horse for winning the Heisman. Right. Again, and, he was just we'll, early. We'll say hashtag Fenley knows and Fenley the. Knows. The shirts that are still available on belligerentpeeves.com slash merch will absolutely skyrocket. So, yeah. all right. So there to, to recap, according to Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage, a.k.a. Benny Bedlam, Benny Benny's Bowl scoops. Game, Benny Scoops, Benny with the good cough, uh, a very conservative 15-0 season for the Oregon State Beavers, uh, winning, <laughs> beating UCLA in the Pac-12 championship game, beating Texas A&M in the national semifinal, and beating the Alabama Crimson Tide in the national championship. Uh, I was the second most optimistic this time around. I have the Beavs finishing with an overall record of 11-3 and and beating the Michigan Wolverines in overtime in Pasadena for the first Rose Bowl victory victory in quite 
sometime for our dear beavers jp still predicting a 10 win season so high expectations across the board 10 and 3 season overall uh beavs are vegas bowl bound after that and take care of the old miss running rebs from the sec in that bowl game all pretty exciting results fellas i'd be okay with any one of these happening i'd prefer ben's me too yeah that's another predictions episode i uh don't think we're going to be winning any journalism prizes for this says who but thankfully that's what the dive is for uh keep your eyes peeled for more opportunities to submit work at the dive the new uh long form short form artistic form written content arm of the belligerent thieves podcast that's a wrap on predictions you guys have anything else you want to talk about this has been a long i'm tired it is now jp you look like you're an extra in the blair witch project right now <laughs> so I like run around like this. I am so I am so scared at our first five games right now. <laughs> Beaver fam, we made it. It's college football season once again. Thank you for tuning in to this uh, aptly named 61th episode of the Belligerent Beast Podcast. We'll be here every week and on the days in between, all season long. Giving you plenty of uh, our normal flavor of unhinged, but still very spectacular content. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. What are your predictions? Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up in the Discord, on Instagram, at Belligerent Beeves, on Instagram, at Beeves. Join the Patreon. Let us know what you think the Beeves are going to do this year and how many points you think they'll beat Alabama by in the national championship game. Uh, Benny, shut your dogs up. And for most of my esteemed co-hosts, Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage, once again, Benny Bedlam, Benny Scoops, Benny with the good quaff, Benny with the barking dogs in Tacoma, Washington. He's been at BennyL1986 on the social media channels. And uh, hopefully not being murdered by the Blair Witch tonight is J.P. Bertram in Arnold, California, at J.P. Bertram on Instagram, at the underscore trio underscore J on Twitter, the trio J. He is too trio to be real. I'm Terry Horstman. Hey, at Terry Horstman on Twitter, at Terrence Horstman on Instagram. Thank you again to our guest from this episode, Howard Kroom. Be sure to support him and follow all the amazing things he's doing for the Oregon State community and our student athletes. And props once again to you, the listener, for being here, for listening to us, for rocking with us, for rating and reviewing five stars at Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, for sharing this with all of your friends and enemies and frenemies and helping us uh, make this platform uh, as big as we possibly can. Thank you so much. Enjoy football. We're back. Football is happening. And no matter what happens this football season, week one and beyond, always remember that no matter what you do, no matter how bleak things look or how amazing things look, no matter how many points we're beating Alabama by in the national championship game, it's all because can't spell chop them without hope chop them chop them
chop them. And bring back Bernice.